Welcome to What's Cooking in Hell's Kitchen, the officially unofficial podcast for Daredevil on Netflix. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 7, entitled Simper Fidelis. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly what that name means. Obviously, Simper Fi is the... Uh, Always Faithful. It's literally what it means. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I my, my dad was a naval corpsman, and my girlfriend's family is... All fucking Marines, or dad, mom, stepdad, are all oorah out the ass, so yeah. Oh, that's what Simplify means. Simplify Del- that's the short form of Simplify Ah, Delis. okay. See, yeah. I didn't know that either. All right. I don't know much of anything about the military, so makes sense. Um, what did you think about this episode? I don't care. What do you think about this episode? You don't care? Because I've <laughs> what been, do you mean you this don't is, care? This is the episode you've been waiting for, where all the, all the birds come home to roost for Matt. <laughs> Yeah, most All of these those delayed birds. hostilities have exploded in his face. And I could not be happier that Foggy is like this bathroom scene where Foggy's just shouting at Matt. Like And he's got him dead to fucking rights. Yeah, like he's absolutely right. Yeah. So yeah, I loved everything about that. Um Even even Karen got it because he tries to like I uh-huh. heard screaming in there. Uh yeah, don't forget about it. And, like, you can't treat me like a secretary in this bullshit and But he's still brushing her off, which but sucks. I like the callback to the fact that he got all huffy in her apartment, in their his apartment, where she's kind of like, I don't know if I agree with the Punisher and whether he's better than Daredevil, and she says, I don't know, maybe. And then when he says after their uncomfortable conversation post bathroom, he says, I'm, "Well, I'll see you tonight," and she says, "I don't know, maybe." Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was a smart dialogue echo. It um, was. It was good. Uh, they're, they're they're moving. So they moved Foggy all the way to the end game on that, which yeah. I really liked. And they're moving Karen further down the road, so that's also going in the right direction. <laughs> they just need to kind of finally hit that one point with Karen, yeah. and I will be satisfied. But and I, I, man, it's I, taken a while. What to get I really there. here's the thing: what I really liked about the Foggy dress down was how it shut down. Because as fanboys, we're always wanting excuse to heroes, right? This is like essentially this could have been. Tony Soprano's wife yelling at him or Skylar White yelling at him or Lori Grimes yelling at Rick, you know, mm-hmm. but I felt like it was smart because it head off a lot of shit at the past. Like you're going like, well, pff, Foggy, he's saving a fucking city. Cut him some slack. As Foggy says, you're the one that wanted this fucking case. Uh-huh. Like if you want to go to building the building and beat the shit out of bad guys at night, don't stick us with all this shit during the day and then bail on us. Yeah. And then it's the one part of the case that I thought was interesting, you gut because you can't keep your vigilante girlfriend right. uh, in, in check. It's like it's brilliant because it really cuts every justification off because mm-hmm. Foggy's not saying you can't save the city. He's saying you can't do everything that you want to do all the time 100%, right. which is an entirely right. reasonable point. Sure, and it's one that we've all been thinking the whole time. And to, to have a character that comes out and says it, plain as day, uh, in su- such a uh, righteously angry way <laughs> is And that's is why really I'm so good. glad because the, the thing that – the thing that sets it apart from those other examples is that, like, you know, Foggy knows essentially everything about Matt, and there really is no justification for Matt to continue to lie to him. There really sure. isn't. Yeah. He's doing it because it's a habit and it's a reflex. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a lot of the other characters, you know, they don't know what they don't know, so they look, you know, it's it's, it's easier to be like, well, you don't know that blah, blah, blah is going on. Um, the other thing, the one thing I really liked about this in a kind of like a Keanu Reeves, whoa, kind of way is the cliffhanger, the reveal. 
Yeah, whatever that thing is at the end, the giant hole. Because I, what I thought was so beautiful is that I thought the dirt that they were shipping was a trap. Me too. Yeah. Like, oh, there's I'm and I'm I'm spinning the wheels. Like, how the fuck? How do they know about his echolocation that he can see through steel? Well, essentially? not like that, like, but like, if this is a dummy th- shipment, how did they know that he was going to steal the ledger to uh-huh. encode the thing to like? It's like it's felt like a Xanatos trap. But the fact that no, they're just trying to get all this dirt out because it's goddamn hole. Right. What the hell? <laughs> I don't know. Why are they digging, man? And this goes back to last seasons, like the Red Ninja duel and the the, the that guy needing, uh, you know, he was so pissed that Wilson Fisk was only going to give him a portion of the land that he thought he needed. Hmm. Like, what the hell okay. are they doing in New York City? I gotta know. I hope it's cool. Are they are they going to launch a missile from there? It seems like it's a, a a deep enough hole that I honestly couldn't tell you what it's for. Me like I, I don't know what earthly reason you would have to dig a hole that deep unless you're mining. Yeah. And he, he, now he, are, is it possible they're mining for something? Are they looking for something underground? Are they? I don't know. <laughs> because that's the thing. Like, what would like like if it's some ancient artifact? But what the hell would a Japanese firm be digging in right. Manhattan? Yeah. For. Like something along those, like if it's some kind of supernatural deal, mm-hmm. uh, like the lost sword of dragon bumfucker or whatever. I mean, I I, I don't know, or I, I I have no idea. Uh-huh. I have no idea. I don't either. But it's serious. It's, it's a hole. pretty good hook. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, it it it's surprisingly ominous mm-hmm. for just a hole in the ground. Yeah, I tried to do a calculation based on at least like the 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 lower limit for how deep it was based on you know the what i thought the terminal velocity of the flashlight and then i'm like oh shit this this math is way over my head for something i can do in like 20 minutes i think it's fair to say it's super deep yeah it's it's real deep yeah yeah like you like drop deeper a than you would launch it, a missile out of or deeper yeah. than you would like 20 seconds of free fall is really fucking deep yeah so yeah hundreds thousands of feet and maybe. i don't know like the other thing i started as like is that actually possible can you do that I don't downtown know. New York with that, but I mean it's a comic book, so sure, it's, yeah. it's probably doesn't reward that much thinking about it. Um, we'll just say they have a lot of water pumps there too. They probably pumping water out of that I giant would think hole. So. I would think <laughs> so. Although you're going to quickly reach, I imagine the bedrock. Yeah, have you seen for sure? So you know how in Manhattan there's like two distinct clumps of of, of skyscraper. Like if you look at mm, like no, the Manhattan skyline, yeah. So apparently, if if you like the, the the bedrock is like this underground mountain range underneath New York City, and it comes close to the surface, and that's why you can build skyscrapers on it. The rest is more porous, loose surface, mm-hmm. and you can actually see like a geographic out, uh, overlay, and it just it's it's really cool uh, how there's like essentially yeah. two islands of granite coming to the surface of, in Manhattan, where they can put all those big giant yeah, buildings. T- tell that to the the people building in Dubai. <laughs> that you can't build on porous ground. <laughs> well, but they're, they're but using uh, modern. The time, that's yeah. what I'm saying. They're using modern. The techniques. time New York was built, those skyscrapers built early 1900s. Yeah. Sure, because I guess there's like I just I just read this a couple weeks ago. Like all these different ways you can now without sinking stuff in bedrock. You know how you can right. essentially make your own footings and stuff. Yeah, all pretty using all that, all the latest technology in Dubai. Yep, that's what the the back half of Daredevil is going to be. Essentially, <laughs> one of those uh, that's discovery. What they're like, they're going to buy. They're digging a marbles. footing. Yeah, they're digging a footing for the world's sure. most giant for a space elevator. Ooh, digging the anchor by point. The <laughs> 
pretty far away from the equator. Made if I out remember of my physics right to make a space elevator work. But. Made by Melvin out of carbon tubes. The same shit the Daredevil's <laughs> helmet's made out of. It's actually just going to be a string of helmets. It's all. <laughs> it's just going to be just stacks of Daredevil helmets, and and yep. yeah, uh, all. it's all coming together. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant the writing on this show. <laughs> it, it is indeed. Um, all right, let's talk about some other stuff. Okay. What did you think of the courtroom stuff? Uh. What do you think of the choice to have like the, the to have Frank stuff. Castle walk into the courtroom to the to the inception? Blah. Not like not nearly as dramatic as that moment needed to be <laughs> right? to justify that music. Right? I, I'm like, what are they doing? Like this that's is when not... Z- that's when Zod fires up the World Destroyer in Superman. That, yeah. That's when the city starts folding up in Inception. <laughs> right. Like that's not Frank Castle shuffling in in, in his in little slippers. orange suit. Yeah. yeah. I, I was very confused by that. It's yeah. it's real strange. Okay, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. And they do have like I I like how that they, they do talk about how the impossibility of getting a person a fair trial if something like this were to happen. It'd be like trying to find the Beltway sniper a fair trial in DC. Okay, like right. every the the guy was rampaging for weeks. Everyone has an opinion. No one has not heard of this guy. Yeah, like even like where would I'm you trying to get a trial for Bin Laden or something? Right. Yeah, like this shit goes down in New York. You couldn't fly a jury in from Los Angeles that wouldn't have an opinion about it. Yeah, you'd have to go to like one of those indigenous tribes in South Africa, teach them about Western American law, law and right. the league and their duty, and then you know try to get something out of that. Sure, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and and we all know. It's impossible. This this man is obviously guilty. There's yeah. no way he's not going to be convicted. Uh, it comes. It all comes down to how are Nelson and Murdoch going to argue this case? Uh, and, and it looks hopeless at the beginning. And I still say it looks pretty hopeless. Why do you think? I thought I continue to be very puzzled by. I'm not sure if the decisions that Deborah Ann Wool is making or directorial input or what. But like another weird thing with Karen. When she meets Frank to go over his their strategy, she treats him like her body language where she's holding a case file in front of her, like she's terrified of this guy. Yeah. And yet they've already had all these intimate moments where she yeah. shouldn't be that afraid of him. And yet the other guys are trying to warn her, look, he's dangerous. You don't are you sure you want to do this? That makes alone? sense because they don't know what they've I been know. through. But it's like it's somehow got inside Karen's head and fucked her up with it. But and it, the only thing it, it only of, lasts yeah. for like 30 seconds and then she relaxes and then like, Oh, I've done some digging and you got it. Right. So it's Just like, like she did before. Yeah. And I don't, so Maybe it's like that's... every time she walks in a room with this, this guy, she's got to start all over again with her know. fear. It might be an acting tick with her because I noticed that in true blood, a lot of times she would retreat to this flighty little bird routine. Mm, okay. um, even when, you know, it didn't necessarily befit a newly immortal vampire. Uh, I do like that they have an actual reason for her to be going it alone now, though. Sure. Because Frank's the, the only one he'll talk to is Karen. And he won't talk to her with other people present, so she really has to go it alone now. As opposed to before when she was sneaking into his house alone. <laughs> yeah, and I also like that they're giving her something interesting to do. That, like, you know, it's not... It doesn't mean nothing that, like... in an, With another character, it might seem like the Punisher's wasting his time to go over these hundreds of case files... That he's already personally gone over, but when Karen says, well, you haven't gone over with me, that actually means something. Like, I didn't roll my eyes. <laughs> right. Uh, what do you think about the Colonel Ray Schoonover? Who this the is this, fuck his is His former that? commanding officer oh. for a character witness. Like, yeah. what's this guy going to come in and say? 
he's not crazy? I don't know. He d- probably doesn't have PTSD. What about the reveal that the... So we, we found out that the medical examiner has been leaned on by people. I don't think it's the DA that leaned on him to fabricate his report. It sounds like these are the suits again. Yeah. But the big reveal there is that there was another John Doe died of multiple gunshot wounds that was a primary target of the cover-up. Right. Any ideas of who that might be? No. Not at the moment. Hmm. I, I don't know if you have any... I don't like special comic I don't. book I'm knowledge. Not, or... I'm not, and I'm trying to avoid. There's been some people that are uh, helpfully uh, helping me with some of that stuff, and I'm trying to, you know, because okay. uh, I'm going through this. I haven't seen this whole season, and I'm trying to avoid inhaling it and, and getting ahead of the the coverage. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to like cross my eyes when I see some stuff like that. But anyway, the other thing they do with Frank that I I think is admirable for for the writing. Um, is Frank doesn't want to argue that, you know, I've been to war, I have PTSD, because it's re- disrespectful for the people who actually, actually have PTSD. Do. And I felt like that was a fairly, like, non-pop culture type of thing to do, right? Like, you see a soldier doing something that you can't explain, and you're like, oh, PTSD. Sure. Uh, and it is somewhat disrespectful, you know, to both soldiers who don't have PTSD and the ones who do, and it's like... But I got a kind of looking-through-the-looking-glass take, which is, how the hell does he know that what he's doing is not a result of... Sure. Like, if he... If this just happened to Frank Castle that never went to off and and did all this dying and killing as a Special Forces sniper, would he have this extreme reaction to it? I don't know. So it's like... That's a good question. I get it that... It's weird that, like, it's hard to separate the macho bullshit from him, like, no, no, seriously, I this is what I did and with with no psychological trauma, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But it's also nice that the writers aren't jumping to that conclusion so easily, right? Yeah. Or at least the Punisher's not letting them get away with it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The other thing I thought was really interesting is Matt fighting angry. Like, he I thought, seems disturbed yeah. by his own damn self on several points in this episode. And, and that's, I just had in my head ringing the entire time, you're one bad day away from becoming me, yeah. that Frank Castle has been saying, uh, or it said early on in the season. And I was wondering, is this the bad day? Like, when he was smashing that window behind the pervy, uh-huh. uh, what would you, cryptologist, <sighs> professor, whatever. Yeah. Worst cryptologist ever. We want a we want an encryption that can't be broken. Oh, I'll give you a fucking Sudoku. shitty version of a Caesar cipher. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's just. But it's re- got kanj instead of Greco-Roman alphabet, right? Which means anybody who speaks Japanese is immediately going to break it. Oh well, they're all. It's the worst encryption I've ever seen. Not unbreakable by any means. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know enough about crypto theory to know like. Because couldn't it be a version of like a one-time cipher? In which case, how could he break it? Right, right. I I don't know. Um, maybe it's something more intricate than I picked up, and I didn't really listen super sure. close to what he was saying. But it yeah. seemed very, very simple with letter replacement. But when he was doing that thing where he's interrogating by essentially threatening to throw him through glass, and when the glass like shattered at the barest touch, like it seemed like shit. I almost killed this guy. Right. Because I, you know, like is that. And then I thought when he was rushing the building at he, the very end, they I were going to go in and just kill that guy with rebar, man. Yeah, like slashed I, him up pretty good. You got comic book rules where it's like, I guess blunt force trauma just can't kill someone. Yeah, unless they make it very clear that he's beat the guy's head. Even into, Superman punching you doesn't. Sure, he holds back or whatever. Right. Yeah, but there was a lot of blood flying off of his head when he was beating yeah. him with a solid piece of rebar. Um, and and like I was that, worried that he was just going to go all out there and start. Sure. Murdering. 
But like, is this Electra's influence on him? Is it hmm. the frustration that he cannot keep this perfect separation between the daytime justice and the nighttime vigilante stuff? Is it the, the frustration that saving the city, he's disappointing his friends and also kind of be I felt like the reason he blew up at Karen, because that, that's the other thing that this kind of ties into when he, they're having this conversation in the loft about the Punisher's tactics. And he seemed like to get angry and like, I, I don't know that that's a great reaction. It's like, oh, you have a difference of opinion. Get the fuck out of my apartment. Kind of. Yeah. But it's it, weird because he says like he upholds as Matt Murdock the primacy of law, but he doesn't as Daredevil. And like I feel like he's uncomfortable with the fact that he like he, I think you're right this this one bad day thing yeah the the duality there is not like there are a couple of things right there's his relationship with Daredevil and the law which are at odds and then there's also the slippery slope that Daredevil becomes Frank Castle the mm-hmm. Punisher and like once he starts to I'm, those things kind of follow a little bit. Once you start to say, well, the law doesn't apply here, which laws don't apply? Um, sure. Does murder apply? I mean, if, right now he would answer yes, it certainly does, and I'm not going to murder, but I don't know if that's from a legal perspective. It's some kind of ethical, moral yeah. thing for him. But sure. he comes closer to that line every day, mm-hmm. or so it seems from what I've been seeing yeah. on the show. And, you know, there's the whole, like, I think he's, they, they skate around a lot of this due process stuff because he's got the built-in lie detector. Right. But if you're a low-level mook working for the, you know, Yakuza, do you deserve to get a triple concussion right. and skull fracture I don't because know. you're guarding a hole yeah. in Manhattan? Like uh, Maybe that's... you don't even know what you're guarding. Sure. Maybe you were paid to, well, I don't know. They I mean, Daredevil's know. ready to excuse... Grotto, Grotto, yeah, and yet he mercilessly beats these other punks. Like that's, I mean, I, again, it's, it's this isn't exactly Shakespeare, but it's interesting mm-hmm. the the fact that it, I, I like the fact that it's disturbing him, and and you wonder like how is this going to continue to impact his relationship with Foggy and Karen? How is he going to be able to square yeah. the circle eventually? Right, right. Um, it seems like he might not be able to continue in one of these lines of. Of action, either he can't be the lawyer, or he can't be Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one's going to give. Uh, the other thing we learned is, I guess Daredevil can see through steel somehow with his his vision. He can tell make, that all of these train cars are empty. I, he I, can that, tell that the one that is makes full. sense to me. Uh, and also, he can see negative space. He we we talked about like what if sure. someone wore a stealth suit that didn't give off any. Sonar I actually was really grateful that I feel back. like they're being consistent with his powers. Like I have yet to yeah. catch them fucking up. And they're hitting like all of the notes we're talking about, right? There's yeah. there's like uh, we we asked about the scars on his body, uh-huh. like how he would explain those to Karen. And, and they addressed Electra this episode. That this yeah. episode. How are you? What do you tell your lady friends? And he's right. got a nice pithy answers like, "Oh, they're having so much fun they don't notice." But you, I think, I think that's exactly why he's not wanting to jump in a sack with Karen. Yeah, because I just, it's so uncanny that they're answering the questions we ask in the previous episode sure. in the very next episode, almost always. Yeah, which I feel except like, for this drinking thing. I've, well, but even then, like, I is it that important that they deal with that, or is it important the fact that they have these con- the, the confrontation, right? right. Um, About him just shirking his duties more than yeah. being a drunk, yeah. Um, 
I don't know. That's great because like Matt, the man. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what Karen would think about it if he was dare if she reveals that he's Daredevil. But Matt's starting to look like just a shit. Uh, like what yeah, he does to Foggy here is inexcusable. inexcusable. Yeah, what, he leaves him out in the wind. Yeah, and even Foggy knowing he's Daredevil's like fuck you, man. Like he, he, I didn't ask for this. Um, and I also didn't yep. think that Foggy did a. I don't know. I don't know how to judge these courtroom scenes because I didn't think the prosecutor like. He, no one in a case this would would I don't think would give like a ninety second opening statement, like it'd probably okay. last a whole fucking day, <laughs> right? The way I understand opening right. statements are, it's like essentially you're telling the jury what these are the things we're going to prove and these are the evidences we're going to introduce and this is why this is our theory and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, and it can take a long time to get out, and then for Foggy to get up and essentially wing a defense, like I guess it was good for that, but I felt like. All in all, it I, I don't know. It read to me like it wasn't very good. Like if I was a juror, I wouldn't be very impressed with what he was saying. Yeah, I'm with you. I wasn't but, persuaded by Foggy's argument. But I, I can't tell if that's real or if that's just a letdown in writing, and I'm supposed to think that it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Ultimately, it's a courtroom it's a TV courtroom scene, so that's how they go. But right. normally you'll get, like, some music or something to tell you, hey, this person did a great job. Or, or, or let me see the jury's mugs. Like, are the jury, are the jury like, nodding thoughtfully? Or are they looking at each other like, what the hell is this? Like, fr- even Frank, when he leans over, is like, that's a, bu- that's a thick slice of bullshit. Is that a compliment? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I when, think the when, impression I get is that the overall episode is telling us this is going to be a huge uphill battle and... This opening salvo, even if it was good, didn't even scratch the surface. Because because Foggy said the scene before, if we get this medical examiner mm-hmm. and if if Matt does the opening statement of the century, we might have a fighting chance. Yeah. Well, the medical examiner, um, for reasons I don't fully understand, was completely like their entire record stricken, which seems like that would have a huge impact on both sides of the case, right? And it does. I mean, Reyes doesn't like that either. Yeah. Um. That's off the table, so I guess that's a push, but mm-hmm. there's no way I think that Foggy's opening statement was the best of the century or whatever. No. Even though Karen says, oh, you're amazing, and, and Matt says, well, you're great, they would have to. Like, that's just what they would say, right? Yeah, and the fact that Foggy didn't... The fact that Foggy could stand up and say anything at all, yes. given the situation, is amazing. And I'm not just saying the, the start and stop nature of it. Like, that's one thing. But I'm mm-hmm. talking about just when he finally got around. Like, I thought he started off with, like, imagine you're 19, you're in hot sand, blah, blah. But uh-huh. it just kind of got lost in the weeds by the end. And mm-hmm. so you think we're supposed to understand that this was barely competent and yeah. not what they need to be doing what they're wanting to do with this case. I think so. Okay. That's that's how I came out of it anyway. Plus, there's a lot of like unsupported conspiracy theory shit, which mm-hmm. I mean, I believe that this is what's actually going on because you know, uh, uh, I I uh, I know enough about what's going on with the Punisher as far as what they present on screen to know that it's not all according to Hoyle, right? But if I'm a jury, I'm like, really, this is going to be some kind of wide conspiracy involved? I mean, this seems like making a murderer. Uh, which needed ten hours to kind of make that case, and it wasn't entirely successful. So here's the thing, though: even if they prove their point, they're going to lose this case because, point of fact, indisputable, Frank Castle did kill those people, and, and for whatever reason you want to justify it with, 
it doesn't matter. But, but if half right? the jury like, th- believe that they were criminals that needed to be killing and that he was left with no, co- I mean, they might get like, you're I right. Guess you He's could guilty sway, of murder, but uh, you'd get, I guess, jury nullification going. I guess you can get an emotional verdict and, and just have them say not guilty, even though the facts obviously prove he is. Essentially the OJ Simpson trial. Uh, sure. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but yes, uh, I, I think that's possible, but what the fuck happens in that situation where the facts are obviously not? Is is that just like the jury rules? Period. I mean, that's, that's essentially what. Again, that's, I mean, I know that's, that's, that's the O.J. Simpson deal. Is that yeah? It's like, crazy that to me that there's no mechanism when there's like physical evidence and all these things. To well, but I mean that's that, but I, mean, but I get it. I know that that's something. Like I don't. It seems like this is something that the court systems hate, and the jury nullification is a double edged sword because for every person that says, you know what. I'm not sending this 19-year-old to jail because he got caught with a joint right. in Kansas. Right. Mm-hmm. There's also the racist in the South that let off people who killed black folk and yeah. lynch mobs because, well, he had it coming to him. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, like, jury nullification. Like, anytime you let 12 citizens decide what they think is right, you're that's that's by definition extra judicial but also but it's supposed to be a measurement a, of society at the time so it's all yeah like, it's, it's part how it's, do you it's not a flaw in the system it's part of the system right and the, right. that i think the judicial system would rather it not be like they i i feel like that if you ask most judges and you know legal experts they'd probably say that maybe jury nullification shouldn't be allowed that like a judge could dismiss a verdict that is but what would that even mean? How would you judge whether it's blatantly yeah, uh, like wrong? Yeah, now or not? the balance of power shifts entirely more to the state. So, right. like, right. you know, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like it's an interesting thing that the juries can do. Jury nullification is, is a fascinating subject. Yeah, uh, but I feel like maybe we could be headed that direction if Foggy can argue the case the way I think he wants to argue it. Yeah, you know, because um, because I think the the facts certainly say Frank is guilty of murder. Yeah. Mass murder. Yeah. Uh, The other thing is, like, the thing is, is that while Electra... And I mean, that's the whole... Let's not leave this point yet. That's the whole impetus for a guy like Daredevil, right? When when the law fails, and this is something that Karen mentions, where do you turn? Yeah. Uh, You turn to guys like Daredevil. You turn to guys like Frank Castle. And that's kind of Karen's point, is she's coming around to his POV a little bit as she talks to him. Yeah. Gets to know him. Yeah. and Matt is not because he views it as a step too far, even though he's doing the same thing in principle. Yeah, Matt's in this weird position where his best shot at getting his client justice is probably going to get him like like I think Matt wants the Punisher in jail. Yes. But he also wants to expose whatever, you know, caused him to fly off the handle in the first place and kill all these people. Yeah. Like he wants him punished for He wants to take for, down Reyes too, which I I think is more Foggy's thing at this yeah. point. Yeah. But because uh, they have more personal animus. I mean, Matt yeah. has really never crossed cross swords right. with her. But but yeah, like the dare, what Daredevil wants is his middle path. I don't think exists. Yeah, which will be interesting if that puts him. And in. And I don't think Karen thinks exists either. Hmm. I mean, she's she's at least softening on Frank's position. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about this thing with the medical examiner because that's the other thing. Is everyone? I, I feel like that it's. That's the one thing that I'm not sure about in this episode because Foggy says it's almost going to be impossible to flip this guy just on the stand. Mm-hmm. And if so, if Electra didn't come and, and threaten to beat the piss out of him, he doesn't flip on the stand, which is devastating to their case. Mm-hmm. 
him flipping on the stand but getting thrown out is also devastating to the case. There was a no-win scenario, so it's almost like if I was mad, yeah. I'd push back on that. Like, well, if Elector didn't beat the shit out of the guy, you would be expecting to appeal to this guy's better nature. Or And I thought like some of this shit where he's like, well, well I'll just ask him uh, who doctored the records when he says – or what? What was the, the Matt? Matt I, know, uh, I don't remember. Matt Matt had him on like this. This. Um, oh, he's going to ask him who had you change report. Even if he says no one, then that proves that he changed report. I'm like, really? You can do the whole how long have you been beating your wife, Mister right. Jones? Questions right. and that's actually trick persuasive. questions. Yeah, that that you know, like I'm it's not not evidence. I don't think I feel like I need a law talk episode to know that that's not exactly lawyering right i mean she objects to leading the, sure. the witness immediately she's gonna object to that yeah <laughs> like yeah some, some kind of Objection. unanswerable question uh, the, the 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 defense is being an asshole i mean i don't know exactly <laughs> what it is but that can't be allowed right uh but it, at the same time like so i think foggy's argument here like is at least if electra hadn't come in and you know have this guy confess under the threat of uh, whatever violence under coercion, mm-hmm. um, the foggy would have had a chance at the guy, right? Well, Electra should have done so is, Matt, is, is threaten him and also say, "You never, I, you know, I was right. never you here." You speak of this. Uh, I mean, yeah, you tell the truth and anything but the truth, and I, but yeah, and so help me God, sure, I will sure. come after you, <laughs> sure. Uh, but I think that's that's what Foggy's point is. Look, I would have at least had a shot at it without uh, you guys interfering. Yeah. Uh, I I expected at some point that Electra was going to be on this couch and Karen would like come over I in the middle of the so night too. and shit would blow up and I thought so too because she'd go to Foggy. Oh, Electra was over there. That's his ex girlfriend from college. Oh my god, Matt has definitely come a little bit further. He's he's no longer swiping as hard left as he was two episodes ago. Right? Yeah, they're both in their underwear in the living room. Like Karen walks in on that. Yeah, and and, and, and Matt's, Matt's now saying, why did you leave? Like, instead of being like, you're crazy, you're bad, you manipulate me, why did you leave? Why yeah. did you never come back? And her saying, what do you think? Because she says, she asserts something like, um, you don't know the whole truth, or if you, you don't know everything that I know, and you deserve better. Okay, deserve right. better, that's whatever. But what the hell does she know that Matt doesn't? That uh, Hmm. Maybe something about her past. Maybe we're getting an episode where we see a lot more about her. Yeah. Also, that was interesting that she tried to kill a dude, which Matt specifically forbid. And the only uh, reason she didn't kill uh, him is because the gun was out of ammo. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Is that going to be something day. to where she kills a guy? And I could see it. Yeah. Because that's the other thing is like they have a very different conversation over stitching if she blows that guy away. Yeah. Uh, definitely and and maybe that's the best thing for matt at this point i don't know if it's the best thing for new york city but you know is she kind of like a stand-in to keep the story going while frank's out of commission like this this tension of will or won't daredevil kill and how does he feel about it it's a different type of you know like they're both seductive techniques like frank is trying to put him into practical dilemmas where you have to do the math of whether one life is worth yeah the preserving of one life is worth forfeiting 10 others by inaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all this, like, I feel like we've had the same goddamn conversation over three different podcasts in the last week. Yeah. It's I, weird. All this, <laughs> this, this, this synchronicity, right? Right. But, but that's, but that's I one think of those. That's the running thread is that they're trying to keep alive with Electra. But yeah, hers is a much more visceral, like yeah. 
uh, it's easier and it feels good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically that it's not like the horns of a moral dilemma. It's just like, why wouldn't you? Why are you? Why? Why are you even bothering debate whether it's it's worth killing these guys or not? Sure. They're in our way. Paste them. Yeah. They did like, us wrong. I would like to see why she feels that way. Um, yeah. As opposed to Matt, because obviously they set them up as kind of opposites. So it would feel weird if they didn't get around to that. And we're yeah. really young. And I mean, we're just at the halfway point of the Another season. Six episodes in this seven. Uh, we're at seven now and there's 13. So six more. Yeah. yeah. I guess this is the hump episode. Right. So I don't know. I'd like to see more about Electra's backstory. Uh, it does seem like that Foggy's given Matt a bit of an ultimatum about this uh, Karen Electra thing. Uh, about it all. I mean, he can't, yeah, uh, everything he's been doing. Yeah, because he's like seems like that he's no longer going to be the go between between him and Karen. He's not going to make excuses for him. It's just like you, you know. And that, I feel like it's about time for Matt to bring her into the inner circle. Yeah, there's um. If he's going to, he's either got to freeze her that, out. Right? He's either got to freeze her out and make this ultra professional and say like all this kissing stuff is a mistake. We can't do this, or he's got to bring her in. Yeah. I, so, what do you make of the conversation they have where he asks her about, you know, have you ever thought about getting a law degree? I know some people at Columbia. Me and me and Foggy do. Uh, hinting that maybe she should get more involved in the firm from a legal perspective. I don't know. I thought it was kind of kooky because I don't. <laughs> I mean, she, she gets angry about being treated like a secretary, but matter of fact, that's what she is. She yes. doesn't have the legal acumen sure. to, to even begin to understand the what they're talking right, about. Right. Um. So, but but I get it emotionally. Like she she's friends with these people. She shouldn't be treated like a nobody. Well, and I was just more like, really? You got friends? Of Col- you're going to get her? Like, how does she have a college degree? Fast tracker application? You're going to get you're, you're going to get her through to one of the, the best law schools in America, right? Because you got friends there. I don't, I don't know, know if it works that way. Maybe nepotism is a strong, a powerful force. But I think you got to have the credentials too. Like right. nepotism only works if you could be considered. But I don't know. I mean, maybe Matt. I guess Matt knows enough I've seen about House of Cards. To... I'm not sure about that. <laughs> uh, but that's I... also not the president of the United States, right? Is that some way of of slowly bringing her into that inner circle? I like don't hinting at that idea. No, it's interesting. I don't know. Like I'm, I kind of like her Aaron Brockovich kind of role, where yeah. she's like a super paralegal. Yeah, um, or almost like their PI. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're, I, they're I, Jessica Jones. I like her in that role. Um, if she's a full-on partner, then I guess it makes some things about the relationship more equal. Because that's the one, the big thing it seems like is that right now the partnership between Foggy and Matt is not equal because Daredevil is essentially the third partner in the law firm, and he's siding with Matt in every decision that they make. Right, like he's getting two votes for every one of Foggy's, uh-huh. and that is going double with the Karen thing because she's not even aware of that dichotomy. Sure. Or trichotomy. Um, I don't know. That that's If I was Foggy, that's the thing I'd be pissed about. It's like, uh, you've got this silent partner who is supposed to be silent, but he's sh- pissing all over our business, and he's mm-hmm. pulling your strings, which is pulling my strings, and then you go and fuck off when, when you... That, that's something they got to solve. For sure, yeah. I mean, Foggy's fed like, up with it. It would be interesting if, like, every action that Daredevil did that had to bring, like, like I'm seeing this future where, like, Karen and Foggy and Matt are all in this part as equal partners, and they it's like a board decision. 
Does Daredevil go against the Yakuza? The eyes Show of hands. Yeah. yeah. And if not, then that's something Matt has to live with. Or he can fucking quit the law firm. Right. Because he can't or keep doing what he's doing. Or quit being Daredevil. Yeah, I mean, you don't One have to, but you have to decide what you're going to focus on. You can't accept the... Tr- and I get that Matt didn't expect this to blow up. Sure. But once he found out, like, you got to start saying no to Elektra. Yeah. I mean, that should be... I don't know. But then again, if, you know, the Mecha, Mecha Godzilla comes out of the, you know, 110th block of Manhattan and destroys the city, Foggy will pre- feel pretty silly about being this bitchy about the opening That's argument, true. too. That's true. Uh, it's I, it's pretty it's pretty good dilemma as far. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a really good dramatic, dramatic situation for as silly as a comic book hero right. thing could be, you know? Yeah. No, I'm enjoying it. Uh I've I've had very little problems as of the last few episodes, you know, other than the stuff I mentioned about them them not talking. Uh, I feel like a large chunk of that is resolved this episode, mm-hmm. or or even if that's not resolved, it's certainly addressed, and that's all I kind of really wanted. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know, I don't know about the the drinking thing, but we'll see. Yeah, and I'm curious to see like what other because you know, clearly this thing at the what was it called the Midtown. Uh, I I forget the the tenement the 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 Midland Circle building. This goes back to season one, and I'm just really curious about where this stuff is going because it didn't involve it didn't directly involve Fisk. I don't think Fisk was was made aware of it. Huh. Okay. Um, at least from my memory of their dealings and negotiations last year. Uh, we also found out that, uh, and I got a lot of feedback on this. I'm going to read one of them, but there was a Easter egg last season where Foggy mentions her, his crazy, uh, Greek girlfriend from college. Okay. And we found out that as I suspected that he almost failed his classes, both because of her distraction and also dealing with the heartbreak of her trying to get her, him to murder some dude and then leaving him Mm -hmm. high and dry. Yeah. Um, Okay. I don't know. What did, uh, What else do we want to talk about? I think we pretty That's much got everything. Got. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about the giant hole that uh, the Yakuza, the not Yakuza, the Fokuza, whatever you want to call them. The hand. The, that they're uh, digging in Midtown, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got inside information that that's actually a copper mine from oh. Bezos desperately trying to replace all the pennies that we're stealing from him. <laughs> Okay. Uh, There's a lot of copper under New York. It, it, yeah, loaded with it. Okay. Loaded with it. That's all that bedrock formations. I, I it wasn't granite. It's actually solid copper. Solid that copper. That's why you can build a skyscraper Jesus. that big. Like you sink it in the solid copper, you got footing for days, man. So he's replenishing at a pretty quick rate. Then. Well, that's how fast like, we're sucking it out of him. I mean, oh. that's that's you're, you're looking at the wrong end of the funnel, man. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Bezos, founder of Amazon, crazy about copper, mm. insanely jealous of it and 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 he hates the bald move empire because we we're the number one copper thief yeah in the world uh and and you can you can help us siphon that you can help us uh, uh hollow out new york city by going to amazon.baldmove.com anytime you're going to shop online on amazon because you, you you get the same same great service and sales and shipping speed all that stuff stays the same it doesn't even cost you anything all it does is cost jeff bezos some pieces of copper and they go right to our bank. drives drives a man crazy, uh, and also is making it a pretty entertaining uh, superhero drama on on Netflix. I would assert once more. 
so if you want to help us out on that, amazon.baldmove.com. Of course, there's also the club at club.baldmove.com if you want to get uh, extra content, an ad-free podcast, and a bunch of other bonus features, which, you know, we have a pitch on, on the club page itself. Uh, we do appreciate all your support. Let's, let's hollow out New York. <laughs> hollow out the Big Apple. Be the worm chewing through the Big Apple. Let's get into feedback. You can send feedback to daredevil at baldmove.com or on forums where it's all separated by show and uh, episode and title, all that stuff. Please remember if you're sending an email to put in uh, the episode that you're either the title or the number that you're sending feedback on so I can keep all that stuff separate. Uh, Sean B says, every time I hear Foggy talking legal, legal jive, I want to see Saul Goodman show up as his backup. They could out-legalize each other. He'd probably be a better partner in the law firm than Matt Murdock anyways. Opinion? Uh, which era better call Saul? Because I saw Jimmy try to argue a case where some kids cut off a corpse's head and fucked the neck hole, and that went poorly. <laughs> that went very poorly. So More poorly than uh, the, what's going on with the Frank Castle defense so far? I think so. Mm. Yeah. Okay. True enough. But they do feel like they have... I don't, I don't know. Foggy's a more... Foggy's a pretty straight-laced lawyer, though. I haven't he seen is, him yeah. do anything that would stretch the bounds of the law. Right, but, you know, you need I, you need the, the... I don't know. I guess that's not true, because even talking to Frank in the last episode was a violation of professional ethics. You, you need the yin to your yang. And yeah. I feel like, you know, get solid Foggy in there. He's the yin. You get the yang in... <laughs> Better call Saul. Up the get the ying out the yanger. Yeah. All right. Uh, Paul S has some overall observations. Um, he wa- he wants to talk about. It. He's another fellow. He's another native New Yorker, and he and he current <laughs> he he grew up in Long Island. Currently works in Midtown Manhattan. So he wants to talk about the setting of of Hell's Kitchen. Ah. So the Daredevil comic, I believe, started in the 70s in an era of Hell's Kitchen, in an era when Hell's Kitchen was much closer to what the show currently portrays what it is than what it is now. Uh, this is before the economic boom of the 80s and 90s and the Giuliani-ification of New York. Hell, I remember growing up and my parents making me close my eyes as we drove through Times Square, which is adjacent to Hell's Kitchen. I did not know that. As it was a huh. conglomerate of sex shops, peep shows, and some of the shadier characters New York had to offer. Wow. The show and the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done a great job explaining that the Battle of New York in the first Avengers movie, which took place primarily in Midtown, economically depressed the area of New York and gives its show that its greedy feel that honestly feels so out of place in modern-day Midtown Manhattan. Sure. That's an interesting point, that essentially the physical devastation has kind of left it as a little bit of a post-Katrina New Orleans where there's some places that are just really shitty and haven't really been put back together right (laughs) as a way to stand in for the 1970s era, super corrupt, grimy Big Apple. I never really sat down and thought about that because as a podunk living in Indiana, I just assumed that New York's a hellhole. (laughs) Uh, Manhattan is. is definitely not a hellhole. No. no, it's not. Manhattan, that whole island basically has been gentrified to, like, I remember to a point. The last time I was in, uh, the first time I went to uh, Times Square was in, just after 9 11 in 2001. It was like in that December huh. of that year. And I remember thinking, this is how I imagine Tokyo being. Right. Like it's kind of clean and safe and like colorful, but like I, I never, yeah. it didn't feel seedy at all. No, it's not. Manhattan Corporate as is, shit. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I went there a year or two ago, something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's all fancy. I think you have to go out to the other boroughs to, to find anything that you would consider seedy. Yeah. He talks a little bit about accents, which we got into last episode, but then he talks about the Punisher, and we talked about whether we would be interested in a, a long-form 13-episode Punisher arc. He says, in his opinion, uh, the first four episodes portrayed the Punisher as I feel he should be portrayed, as a force of nature. The reason the Punisher does so well in movies, and even in YouTube shorts, uh, he recommends we look up Dirty Laundry. Apparently there's a... I, I think that's one that's that I referenced one in another podcast Podcast that won't yeah. come out before this one does. And No, it will. I will it? think. Uh, it depends on I, who knows. Our timeline has warped into itself. We're, yeah. we're, we're doing a lot of stuff out of order so we can accommodate the spring break schedule of my sons. But mm-hmm. anyway, he, he that in that he is great in short, powerful bursts where he storms in and literally fucks shit up. He's a catalyst for the plot and other characters, which is why he always makes great guest appearances. It's also why overall prolonged amounts of time he fades. The Punisher comic has ups and downs depending on the story. But the Punisher is most effective when he guest appears in other comics as his mere presence creates havoc. I'm glad that the Punisher heavy episodes were quick, brutal, and propelled the plot of the first four. And now he fades to more of a secondary role along with Elektra and the legal battle brewing between Nelson and Murdoch and the DA. I also think that's why a 13-episode Punisher series would quickly become dull. I kind of agree with that. And in, in, in as much as that... Punisher was arguably my first superhero love uh, when I became like you know a pre-adolescent adolescent. Um, mm. I didn't stick with him for very long because th- there's a lot of samey stuff after a while. Yeah, uh, his his role in this I think is going to be interesting because now it he ties into Daredevil in a different way. He he now kind of represents the public's feelings about Daredevil, right? Like if you say okay, Frank Castle. Uh, has gone around and killed all these people, and we talked earlier about the jury and how they were split and how they may even come back with a decision that says not guilty, as not guilty as Frank can be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how would that look to Daredevil? He he wants this guy to be convicted. Oh, I he know. fully right. agrees that this guy has done wrong, but what if the people say he's done right and the Daredevil is useless and doesn't take things far enough? Well, I mean... I, I... Is, can this be seen as a proxy for the people? Yeah, and of I, Hell's Kitchen. I also think it's interesting to see if Matt justifies this as like, well, okay, we've got justice for Frank, so he's not going to kill again. Surprise, surprise, he turns into the Punisher, and he's just prowling the streets as kind of like a dark version of Batman. Right. Um, what do you think about this guy's assertion that they're... I, I actually kind of come to... I, I saw John Bernthal and how awesome he is. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, 13 episode, couple seasons of this. But now right. I'm starting to think... The other thing Netflix is doing are these movies, and we talked about how the Defenders might work better as a movie. Mm-hmm. Instead of getting Bernthal to commit to a bunch of seasons of 13-episode Punisher arcs, maybe that's what you do, a series of Daredevil movies. And he can maybe team up with Daredevil, or maybe he can team up with Jessica Jones. Every He's got a... a he works best when he has a set mission. And yeah, yeah. he searches and destroys that particular bad guy or whatever. I kind of feel like a Netflix movie model would work well for him. Yeah, you could do that. Um, you could also just weave him in and out of the stories of these different series. That's true. We know he there's going to be, be three or four of those. He could just always be the best part of any of the MCU Netflix series. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I can't wait for the three-arc Punisher thing to come up. Yeah. Might be interesting, too. Uh, so he also says, last week you were discussing how jarring it is that Elektra just appeared and we never got any foreshadowing in this relationship. 
In fact, in season one, there's a flashback moment where Foggy and Matt are in college, and Foggy brings up that quote-unquote Greek girl, which is none other than Electra Nachios. Not that this was uh, much, but Matt would have also had to keep Electra kind of secret as so much of their relationship revolved around how Matt told her everything about his abilities. If this this, uh, superhero thing doesn't work out for her... She mm-hmm. can always open up a nacho stand calls, called Electric Nachos. Electric Nachos. <laughs> nachos, Nachos. All night nachos. 24-hour nacho stand, electric nachos. <laughs> all all neoned out. Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> Straight for, go with this. You're, you're the punisher of this podcast, Jim. <laughs> what do you mean? Because you just de- de- devastated us with the pun. <laughs> um, anyways, as he asserts, giving Foggy full details on the relationship would have had led to some uncomfortable questions. To be honest, the casting of Electra and her motivations revealed thus far a bit weak, in my opinion. Huh. Uh, I still don't understand her motivations, and I don't know Me that either. I'm supposed to yet, But I'm, which is why I say I want more of her backstory. I'm surprised how much I went from I hate this character and not, like, the worst kind of way. Right. Like, like no, this this is bad for the hero to, like... I really like her. I, I mm. see. I'm not there yet. I like what she. Br- I like what she brings to Matt, which is chaos, confusion, and, and frustration and ambiguity. Like he's so okay. goddamn certain. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. About stuff, and she's got him questioning everything. In fact, uh, uh, like, should I be in a relationship with Karen? Yeah, and it's a friendly face that he doesn't immediately just want to punch, like he does Frank, right? Yeah, like Frank comes off with his message is more abrasive, whereas she's kind of leaning into him a little bit. Someone asserted on the forums. God, I'm using that word a lot. Um, someone mentioned on the forums that she would make a great Laura Croft. What do you think? Okay, yeah, she could pull off a pretty good Laura Croft. There's another Netflix spinoff. You want to do a series of proper uh, Laura Croft movies? Yep. I never know. I never knew. I never figured out why the Laura Croft movies never worked. Angelina uh, Jolie was a great Laura Croft, but the yeah. stories all sucked, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, there. Hmm, I wonder why. Was there not enough fun in it? Was well, it I mean, need, that was bad in be the battle days. Indiana Jones before, like, like well, of course, I don't. Is there been a good video game adaptation movie? Because I feel like no one's really figured out how to adapt great. a video game yet. Yeah, I know there's been some like Halo shit that's like, animated, and maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I don't know, but I feel like Uncharted is I a. Mean, because it's essentially that. it's essentially a more sophisticated female Indiana Jones, right? And I, you've got the perfect person cast for them. Why the fuck couldn't you come up with a great story for her? I don't, I don't know. know. Big big miss of the late nineties, early two thousands, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, those movies are fine. They're not terrible. They're not great. Okay, somewhere Which, in the middle. I would say anything that's and, <laughs> that's a failure. Yeah, I'm kind of like I'm starting. To, I'm starting to realize that mediocrity I fi- I find is just like why would I bother? There's so much good stuff in movies and television and and anything yeah. that if you're not playing, if you're not playing, watching or listening to the best of the best. What the fuck are you doing? You're. I mean, if it's if it appeals, I, I don't know. If it, if I don't. It, if it I'm not of that you, opinion. Yeah. Really, you watch a bunch of. Mediocre I mean, shit? how much Nicolas Cage bullshit have you watched over the years and thoroughly enjoyed the 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 activity of watching it? I, I don't. Mean, I wouldn't say that his. I don't like his mediocre shit. I like his really bad shit, and I like his really good shit. Okay, you so you're saying? saying there's no middle ground. There's... Like the lukewarm shit is what I'm right. rejecting. Uh, okay. Paul makes a final point about superheroes. He says, "I really wait. I just scrolled past this." Uh, the theme of how much it sucks to be a hero is really explored perfectly. The only other movie to really portray this is Spider-Man 2. 
It's great if you're a superhero like Iron Man, who is a hero for shits and giggles, or Captain America, whose only job is to be a hero, and the hardest part of his day is being sad over not fitting into current society. For heroes like Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Spider-Man, their superhuman abilities cause serious issues to their normal life, and oftentimes mean they have to sacrifice personal happiness, wealth, and success to be a hero. When Peter Parker misses a date with Mary Jane because he's fighting crime, or when Daredevil leaves his legal team high and dry because he's helping Elektra, or recovering from injuries, is uh, it is great that the showrunners show the sadness and frustration of negatively impacting your friends for a good cause and not being able to tell them about it, and yet live with the consequences. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Uh, that sucks. I mean, Matt needs to to disavow himself from the whole thing. He needs to go hands-off. And Foggy essentially says that in this episode. He's like, look, I, from now on, I am not counting on you for anything. Right. Because I can't. I obviously can't. But and, that's also not a long-term solution because Foggy also says, I, this needs to be a partnership or well, why am I doing it? So it's not like Matt can just check off and check out and be Daredevil. Right. Right. He's, so he's stuck in that relationship unless he wants to dissolve the firm, which yeah, it's maybe almost he like does. There's I don't. like Matt, Karen, Foggy can be happy. Pick two. Right. One of those, those three-body problems. Yeah. That's another thing we're <laughs> saying a lot lately. Sure. Uh, Daniel S. says, the Indian restaurant is real. That they We act, had a question about the one with all the chili lights and stuff. Mm-hmm. It sits below and next to three other Indian restaurants in which... When Whoa! You, below and next to three other Indian restaurants? And get this. When you walk by, each one tries to get in, get you in <gasps> like a used car salesman. Have you? I feel like it's like the Chinese places at the food court in the malls. Okay. Where like, as you're walking past, they're like, try this sample, try this sample. And they're, they're trying to get, why would you pick them over the other three? It's the sign spinners, sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's H&R Block doing the their Indian thing. version of that. They have fully Bollywood productions. Just trying to... <laughs> and that's insane. Why are there so many Indian restaurants right next to each well, other? Well, it's millions is it, of people. Is it like India Town? Is it part of the city that's a lot of concentrated Indian population? Or I, I don't know, but it's called the Pana, Panatu Garden. Okay, and it uh, he he linked the Yelp the Yelp page, which I'm like, if I know the internet, there'll be a Matthew Murdoch with a review on Yelp. Turns mm-hmm. out it is. There is a Matthew M from Manhattan, New York, uh, on three twenty uh, two thousand sixteen left review. Came here with my friend Karen. Food was good. However, she couldn't stop talking about the lights. Great place, especially <laughs> since the fir- is the first the first restaurant didn't wor- work out. Good wine too. Four out of five stars. Everybody's so maybe, maybe Panatu. So what was there first? The other three or Panatu or whatever it's called? Are they Starbucking these guys? Or are they like Walgreens CVS? Right, uh-huh. right. Oh, I see you got a location. Guess what? We're coming in with the sure. lights. And sure. people are going to remember our fucking lights and yeah. they're going to ditch you guys. Yeah. Oh, they're getting Starbucked. They're getting Starbucked. Uh, Aaron R. Oh, wait a second. Sorry. Not some, Wait, I, that's me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, it's A H R O N, and also uh, it's an empty field. So I think I butch. <laughs> I must have butchered. I must have butchered your email and and left you with nothing but a stub because uh, I got nothing for you. Sorry about that. Okay. Sean B wanted to confirm that the Deathlock character I mentioned with the Cybertech crap uh, was involved in Agent Shield. I had like five or six people email this in. Alan Sean B was the first, but Alan B was the more informative. Okay. He says, you wondered aloud during the show whether the Deathlock was going to be in the show or if it's just an Easter egg. Deathlock's actually a supporting character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC, where he appears in a fair amount of episodes throughout seasons one and two. However, his origin is in a group called Project Centipede, so it's likely that Cybertech is just a random name thrown in as an Easter egg. What other two superheroes is he sewn to? <laughs> what? 
Oh. <laughs> okay. Superhero Pri- centipede. Okay, the centipede. That's, Superhero a, that's centipede. a movie I want to see. Sure. That's where DC needs to go. You know, you don't want Superman to be the, the head of the centipede because his super <laughs> shits will go through you like a uh, rifle deer slug. It's just, you're not going to have a centipede for long. Yeah. Uh, Steven from Florida. Plus, you want him as propulsion at the back, right? So sure. you can move yeah. very quickly. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think, like, should we spin some... Uh, How couple... do you sew Superman's ass to anything? Well, you use, Crypt- you use kryptonite, kryptonite needles. Thread? Yeah, you, okay. use, you, you wave some kryptonite, or, uh, kryptonite around that. Uh, Steve from Florida. Matt went to the same orphanage... Okay, this is another Easter egg. Matt went to the same orphanage as the main character from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the boxer who fights Matt's dad in season one has a son in the S.H.I.E.L.D. show called The Absorbing Man. Interesting. There's a lot more ties to this MCU oh, in the television thing than I would have suspected. But then again, I've never watched Agent, uh, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So Yeah, I haven't either. Uh, there, there are so many, so many superhero shows. Who has the time? I feel like I'm Most justified of them mediocre. ignoring... Yeah, that's the thing. Like I don't feel like I'm... I, this is a controversial statement, and I know a lot of people told me that Flash is really good and Arrow is really good, but I don't feel like I'm missing out. But there's no, also DC, and the Marvel stuff is a lot more connected and thoughtful. And not, I won't say thoughtful because I'm not making a judgment call on the quality. It's a lot more interconnected, right? Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I have very little interest in even the MCU. So that's true. All right, well, let's just stick to Daredevil then. Uh, Daredevil at baldmove.com is where you send feedback, and forums.baldmove.com is where you can also send feedback and discuss it with your fellow fans. Uh, that's all we got. We'll be back, uh, you know, every Monday, Wednesday, and thir- uh, Friday throughout the Daredevil Crisis. We'll have your your regularly scheduled updates. Yeah, uh, I think this is released on a Friday, and we'll, the next one will be Monday. But you know, whatever, it's easy. Monday is it Monday, Wednesday, or Friday? Are we still have Daredevils left to talk about? There'll be one out. Yep, and uh, we'll see you guys then. Bye.